so exciting, a uh, new chapter um, in Mosaic's life, and a uh, new year. And uh, in this new year, we're actually going to be starting a new sermon series in the book of Jeremiah. And uh, we're going to be in Jeremiah for the next five months. Uh, the Jeremiah, and you know, five months is not nearly long enough because Jeremiah is the longest book in the entire Bible. And so we're just going to be highlighting various uh, parts of Jeremiah and trying to drink in as much of the book as we can. But today we're just going to open up the book of Jeremiah in chapter 1, and I'm going to read the first 10 verses of this wonderful, amazing, powerful book that God's given to us as a gift in Jeremiah. And here, so hear the word of God in Jeremiah 1, verse 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. In the thirteenth year of his reign, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. And I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak. I'm, I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And wherever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations, over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, we uh, start off a new year always, as Christy mentioned, with a new hope in our hearts that this year will be new and different. We all carry new hopes into the new year. And one of the things as Christians we're always looking to do is to grow in the Lord and grow in the faith. That's something that we every year we look forward to. And we want to become new. We want to become changed. That's something that is common in all of your New Year's resolutions but particularly in our faith, we, do, we don't want to be, the, I don't want to be the same Dave this year that I was last year. In my faith, I want to be deeper and more robust and more passionate, and so do you, I know. But the truth of the matter is, if we want renewal, if we want to build something new in our faith, then a lot of things must be destroyed. A lot of things have to be addressed. For new things to come to life, some things have to die. And that means that some things... If you want to actually change, some things in your life need to be exposed. You don't just need to feel good, um, you need to actually be told the truth. And there's no book in the Bible maybe that does that better than the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is not a feel-good book. It is not um, a light book, and it's not a surface-smiling book. It's a truth-telling book. And that's what we have before us the next five months. And the reason for that is Jeremiah tells us the truth because in telling us the truth, he causes us to return to the Lord, return to God in our faith. That's why he's confrontational. And brothers and sisters, I'd like to tell you that that's exactly what we need if we want to be different in 2022. 
You don't need me to stand up here and make you feel good for the next five months. You need to be told the truth. And I know that that can be difficult at times. But I call you to listen because in this truth will be things that not only pluck up and destroy, but build and plant in your life this year. So all I want to do today is to introduce the book of Jeremiah to you, to kind of position it in a way that you can maybe understand a little bit of where Jeremiah is, where he's coming from, and to leave you with one message. And that one message I want to leave you with today is this. We need to be receptive and open to the Word of God in 2022. Because unless we are open in our hearts to the Word of God, the hard-hitting truths of the Bible will never change. And change is what we want. And we're going to look at the context of Jeremiah, his call that God gives to him, and his charge to us today. Let's pray one more time. Father, uh, we become wretched without your word. We become drained without it. And so, Father, we come before your word. We bow our heads because we know how much we need this. When your spirit speak to us, teach us, but really, really change us next five months, I pray in Jeremiah, I pray that it would be a time of real transformation. I know it's not always going to feel good, but I pray that you would make us good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me tell you a little bit about the context of Jeremiah so you understand uh, what this book is. A lot of us have never studied the book of Jeremiah. Like I said, it's the longest book of the Bible. So it's not always easy to study. But another reason why it's not easy to study is because it's a book of prophecy, or it's a prophetic book, and Jeremiah is a prophet, and we'll get into what that means in a little bit. But as you open up the book of Jeremiah, it tells us that he's the son of the priest Hilkiah. What that tells us is that Jeremiah is a prophet, but before he became a prophet, he was a priest. He came from a priestly family, and that's where he is from. Now, his father, Hilkiah, is not only a priest, but he's a great priest, or he's the high priest. And not only is he the high priest of Israel, but he was a really unique and special high priest because he was the high priest in the time of Josiah that found the book of the law. Let me explain. Uh, when you get all the introductions, it says this king in the time of Josiah, time of Josiah, Josiah was a major king in Israel because something happened in the time of Israel. They lost their Bible. Now, we have a lot of Bibles, but they had one. They had the book of the law, a scroll that was very time-consuming to make, very expensive and really precious because they really only had one. And they lost it. They lost it. Jeremiah's dad, Hilkiah, was the guy who found it in the time of Josiah. And in the time of Josiah, there was a revival and a reformation because they found it. That was who Jeremiah's dad was. But Jeremiah grew up in southern um, Israel. He grew up in, it says, the land of Benjamin. And that means south Israel. I have to explain this to you. And I'm going to give you a little bit of geography and geopolitical lesson here just to help us to understand and situate Jeremiah. Okay, this is how it goes. It's very simple. Most of the Bible, if you've never read the Bible before, has to do with a nation called Israel. And in Israel, it actually is a split nation. You see, there was King David who made the nation. Before King David, it was just like a bunch of tribes. You could kind of think of them Native American tribes. You know how they're not really like a nation, but they were tribes. They were tribes of Jacob before David. Now, when David comes into power, they actually become a, a city state, a, a, a nation. 
after he hands it off to Solomon, and then after Solomon, Solomon's son, he messes up. And they, the, the nation splits into two, into North Israel and South Israel. And if you're of Korean descent, you know how devastating that is. To have a nation, a family, a, a tribe of families cut off from each other. But that's what happened. You have North Israel, South Israel. Now, both of those nations, both of the sides of God's people, they strayed away from God. And as they strayed away from God, God brought wrath and punishment by bringing another nation to come and conquer them. You see, Israel's this small nation. Although they're divided, they're this small little nation. And there are these big superpowers that come to life around them. And these superpowers, you can't, unless you understand who these superpowers are, it's very hard to understand the Old Testament. There are these big, strong military nations that arise around Israel, and it changes Israel's history and life. The first superpower is from the north, Assyria. Their capital is Nineveh, where Jonah would be sent. And when I think about Assyria, I always think of death from above because they're from the north. And they come, and starting in 740 B.C. until 722 B.C., they come and they take the northern Israel, they destroy them, conquer them, and take them away. It's a devastating, devastating thing that happens to them. They lose everything. Jeremiah lives in the time before that happens, or in between that happens, and it happens the same thing to the southern kingdom. Those are called exiles. When a nation came to defeat a part of Israel and take them away, that's called the exile. And there were two exiles that happened, the northern exile and the southern exile. Jeremiah lives in between the two of them. He lives in a devastating, tumultuous time, a time when everything is falling apart. It feels like the end of the world and then the end of the world again because these exiles are coming. What you see in Jeremiah is Jeremiah is experiencing all of these things happening and the role of the prophet is to tell them why this stuff is happening. You see, the prophet comes and says, this is not just geopolitics. This is not just war and peace. This is the living God trying to tell you something. This is happening to us, brothers and sisters, because we have sinned and we have lost God and the ways of God. And because of that, God is actually bringing punishment. And he's trying to wake us up from our spiritual stupor. That's why he is doing this. When I was younger, my mom, she used to try to uh, punish me by hitting me. Now, I don't you know, necessarily hit my children, but uh, we grew, you know, some of us grew up in a time where our parents had no qualms about hitting us with you know, sticks and things like that. And um, I remember uh, when she used to, to do this, we lived with my grandmother. And, uh, you know, we, a lot of us kind of grew up in this situation, I think, and uh, we, we had parents who had no fear of corporal punishment, and they would sometimes even tell us to go out in the backyard and pick your own stick, right, to come and I'll beat you with that stick. And so hopefully it wasn't that bad, but some of us grew up in that kind of culture, right? And, uh, you know, you go out to the backyard and you look for the friendliest looking stick that you could find so you don't get hit too hard, and so you don't pick the thick one, you pick the one that looks like it'll hurt the least, and you would bring it back and you would get hit with that stick. I used to live with my grandmother, and when my mom used to punish me, 
um, my grandmother would come up to me right before it was about to happen because she knew I was going to get hit. And she would say, go and tell your mom you're sorry. Go and tell your mom you're sorry. And if you do, she may not hate you. She couldn't stand to see her grandson get hit even though I deserved it every single time, <laughs> and more. My mom is a very soft-hearted woman. She can't hit very hard. Um, but my grandmother, it broke her heart to see me get hit, and so she would say, go and apologize. And if you apologize, if you say that you were wrong, and you turn to your mom, maybe she won't hit you. Jeremiah the prophet is both my mom and my grandma. To an Israel that has gone way off base, has lost their way, and turned their back against God, Jeremiah says, these nations are coming to wake you up, and punishment is coming to you. There's confrontation in Jeremiah, brothers and sisters. You should know this the first day, because the next five months, you will see a lot of confrontation coming from Jeremiah to you, because he's saying, wake up. Wake up. You have gone astray, and God is trying to bring punishment to you. It's coming, but Jeremiah is not only my mother. Jeremiah is my grandma because he's saying, please go repent. Turn away from sin. and Go to your father and repent. In a nutshell, that's the message of Jeremiah. Over and over again for over 50 chapters, the prophet tells us, to look at God, what is happening, and to repent. Because God is saying, I'm bringing a new stick, and the new stick is Babylon. And the southern kingdom will be addressed for their sins. It's not very popular, I think, to start the new year with Jeremiah. (laughs) You know, I know that maybe you expected a great deal of hope, and there is. But the first thing you need to know is that prophets must confront us because there are things that we need to know. There are blind spots inside of us. Again and again, you see in the introduction, let's read verse 2 together. It says, To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah the son of Ammon. You see Josiah named again and again and again. And I told you that in those days, they actually lost the word of God. And that's why they needed to be woken up by Jeremiah, and woken up to what God is doing because they had lost the word of God and they have lost their way. And they lived without the word of God. And then actually, Hilkiah, Jeremiah's dad, found the book of the law. And when he had his servant read it to the king, King Josiah, Josiah heard the word of the God for the first time in years. And he said, oh my gosh, how far we have strayed from the word. We didn't even know how far we strayed. Because we didn't even have the word in our life. Some of you, brothers and sisters, have lost the word of God in your life. You may have a Bible in your house. You may have the Bible app on your phone. But functionally, many of us have lost the word of God in our lives. It has no voice in your decision making. It has no echo in your head when you talk to yourself. It has no effect on your words in your life. It's just the same as if the word of God had been lost from your life. You have to recover the word. If not, my brothers and sisters, the Lord is going to wake you up. There are things that he's going to do in discipline because he loves you. 
But we need that word in our life. And the prophet's job was to bring it in full force to his people. That was his context. That's who Jeremiah was. He was called when he was 20 years old to bring the word full force to his people. 20 years old, that's really young. Really young. And that's why he says, I'm only a youth. But the Lord Lord says, it doesn't matter. Your job is to repeat and to present my words to my people. He's a word teller. Let's go to verse 4. This is his call here. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. It's not a popular thing to be a prophet. And then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak. I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. But what if I get canceled? Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And he calls Jeremiah to do six things here symbolically in verse 10. He says this, See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to do these six things. Ready? To pluck up, to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So you're going to do these six things. These are agricultural pictures of how to make something new. But the first four out of the six are not constructive things. They're actually destructive things. And if you've ever built something new, you know that if you want to build something new, you have to address the things that are old. If you want to bring something to life, you have to sometimes let things die. And that's what he's saying God is doing something new, but first there needs to be a plucking, a breaking, a destroying. And that's why, brothers and sisters, I want to warn you now for the next five months, there's going to be a lot of confrontation in the sermons. And we as a preaching team, we need to hear that. We need to hear, speak, do not be afraid of them. But brothers and sisters, God needs to address some of the things in our lives that need to be killed. There are things in our lives that need to be addressed and that need to die. It's not a very popular thing. Not a popular thing to start off the new year in Jeremiah. But this is what's needed. You know, there's kind of a narrative that's going around that says, unless the church service makes you feel good, the church is not good. Unless the church service makes you feel good, the church is not good. But my brothers and sisters, that's not how God operates Many times, in order to make you good, he needs to address the things that are evil. He needs to speak to you in confrontation sometimes because he loves you. And that's what's going to happen the next five months. There's going to be some real talk behind these sermons in Jeremiah. And he needs to speak to you like that because some of us have strayed a very long way from the Word of God. He says, I'm calling you to pluck and to break down, to destroy a lot of these things, because unless these things are brought to our attention, our lives are not going to change. You're not going to have a new you in the 2022 that you were hoping for if you do not address these things. There was once a problem, it still is a problem with my daughter's, uh, my second daughter, Sophia, her room, her closet doesn't close. 
the thing still doesn't close. I have these closets um, that are on a track, and they're called like bifold accordion closets, you know, and they're on a track, and for the longest time, they wouldn't close. It was off the track, and I couldn't get it to get back on the track. If anybody can help me, you know, with this, I welcome help. But uh, one time, the thing was so far off track that the actual closet door fell and hit the ground really, really hard. It was a heavy wooden door. At that time, my daughter Sophia was two years old, a little girl, and I was afraid that it was going to happen again and smash her. And so I did what any good dad would do, you go to Home Depot. And when you go to Home Depot, you feel like you're being productive. You feel like it's getting fixed, right, when you're just buying stuff. But you feel good about what's happening, right? Then I came home with all the Home Depot stuff, and I tried to fix it. I really tried my best with the best stuff that I could find. I actually looked at two different ways to fix it, and I looked at YouTube and online and the instructions. I couldn't get those doors to get back on the track. I tried my hardest. I even tried to, like, sand it down, like, forcefully stick it in because I was thinking, oh, my gosh, this thing is going to crush Sophia. But I couldn't do it. And I was sitting on that floor in the summertime, like, sweating, you know, and I was just feeling like, I'm such a bad father. <laughs> I can't even stop a closet from hurting my, my daughter. Oh, my gosh. You feel so, like, sometimes guys, like, when we can't fix stuff, we feel so bad, right? And I was, like, feeling that on the floor. Like, why can't I do it? Um, it seems like such a simple problem. But as I was, like, sweating on that floor, my father-in-law walks by, and uh, he's lived in that house a long time. It's their home. And uh, he walks by, and he says, what are you doing? And I said, I can't get these closet doors to get back on track. And he said to me, oh, you can't fix that up here. I said, what do you mean I can't fix that up here? Where else would I fix it? He says, no, you can't fix that here. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I need to put these back. And he said, come with me. And he took me down to the basement, and you could see the foundation of the house. And he said, the problem, Dave, is not the closet. The problem is the house. Something's wrong with our foundation in our house, where the house is like this. There's something wrong, and I think that there are cracks in our foundation, but he said, it's not just a closet. There's a hundred different places where this is going to show up in our house because the foundation of our house, there's something wrong. We still haven't fixed it, but there's something deeply wrong with the foundation, and even if I fix that closet, it's going to show up in ten different places. Jeremiah the prophet is confronting the people of God about the spiritual foundational things that are wrong. And the people of God are just spending all their time trying to fix closets and not listen to the Word of God, which talks to them about the foundational deformities in their soul and in their nation. That's why Jeremiah is called to confront the people. Because we, brothers and sisters, spend our whole lives fixing closets. If we don't hear the Word of God, the Word of God is speaking to the things that show up in a hundred different places in our lives. When we lose the book of the law, when we lose the word, as he told Joshua, the book of the law should never depart from your mouth. You should meditate on it day and night because as soon as you lose the word of God in your life, a hundred different closets you're fixing at the same time. The deep fissures in our hearts, there are sin habits and worldviews that are way off in the way that we're looking at our lives. The Word of God is speaking, brothers and sisters, to those things. And that's why He's going to confront you about these things. 
because there are some deep fissures in our life. But secondly, not only is he going to confront us, he's also going to comfort us. The first four things out of the six he's called to do are confrontational, but the last two are constructive. Let's read verse 10 again. He says, See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms, and the last two things, to build and to plant. You see, he's saying, I know that when I talk to you about these things, O Israel, O Judah, it's feeling like I'm attacking you, but I'm not. I'm saving you because my goal is, says the Lord God, is to build you up and to plant you afresh. And after, after the chastening and after the plucking and the breaking, there's going to be a new beginning that's only possible after you address the truth. After you actually see your blindness, then new things can happen in 2022. He says, look, you, you think that I'm after you, but I'm here to love you. And in Jeremiah 31, you see the clearest picture, I think, in the Old Testament of the gospel. The gospel promises. Because he's saying, I'm doing all of these things to build you back up. And in Jeremiah 31, this is what the prophet gives to us to comfort us, to tell us the purpose of all this. God says to us, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. You see the two houses? house of Israel in the north, house of Judah, I'm going to make a new promise to both of them. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Did you know how personally God takes our sin? It's so personal. He says, even though I was their husband, even though I loved them, They broke away from me. And in verse 33, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declared the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall each teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For this is why they're all going to know me, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. It's not going to matter if you're a priest or a leper. I'm going to level all of them, the great leveler. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive all their sins. I'm going to make a new covenant with them. Don't you see, brothers and sisters, he's saying, I'm confronting you now with these truths because when I am finished, I'm going to plant something new. And the change that you're looking for in 2022, I know it's going to hurt when I confront you with the truth, but it will come in the word of God. I will make you a new person. And yes, at times it's going to feel like I'm cutting into you, but it's not the knife of an attacker. It's the knife of a surgeon. Trust me. I'm not killing you. I'm plucking out so that I can plant. Now, that's Jeremiah. That's kind of an overview of the book. Now, I want to end with one warning and one application. The warning I want to end with is this. The people of Jeremiah, 52 chapters he gives them, they don't listen to him. All 40 years of ministry that he gives the truth to them, they refuse to listen. 
And you're going to have many times in the next five months where you think over and over again, why don't they listen to him? Jeremiah is being so clear. Why don't they listen? And my brothers and sisters, the answer to that is the people don't listen to Jeremiah and don't receive the word of God because they're just like us. Because they're just like us. There are more resources biblically now than has ever, ever existed before in the history of mankind. There are more missionaries and more pastors. There are more ministries, more biblical articles, more resources on the Word of God, more sermons and convicting seminars online that you could ever find in all of history. Is the world listening? The reason they didn't listen to Jeremiah is the same reason that we don't hear God now. Brothers and sisters, God is speaking today. God is speaking now. And we don't listen. Instead, we live in the cycle of anxiety and distraction. Anxiety and distraction. Anxious about the things of our life and then distracting ourselves away from it. Anxious again and distracting ourselves away from it. Why do we have the most powerful tool in the internet for the sake of ministry and the gospel and of the Great Commission and we use it to watch pornography? And we use it to look at TikTok. They don't listen because they're just like us. Wake up, brothers and sisters. God is speaking today. And if we listen, there can be change. But we need to hear the word of God once more. And the application then is that we need to, this year, pray for receptive hearts for the word of God. For the next five months, you're going to get the word of God unfiltered through Jeremiah. But we need to have receptive hearts. If we don't, it will be the same as Josiah's time when they lost the word of God. There could be a banquet in front of you, but if you refuse to eat it, it does you no good. And so, brothers and sisters, as we begin 2022, I implore you, pray for a receptive heart. Stop just trying to fix closet doors when he's trying to talk to you about something more foundational. And if we do, you can be different. The Lord has a plan to make you different. Don't you see his new covenant? Did you hear what he said? He said, I'll write the law in your heart. I'll change you from the inside out. I'll do that. But the issue is not God, but the issue is your heart right now. God has this amazing plan for your heart. If it's open. So this year as we begin, we need to spend some time making our hearts ready and good soil for God's heart, for God's word. His word is never the issue. But we need to prepare our hearts for the next five months. Let's spend a moment in prayer together before we go to the table. I just want to call, call you to just spend some time. It's not a feel-good message, but it leads to good. And it leads to transformation. This is what we need. My brothers and sisters, before we go to the Lord's table and receive it in full, let's spend some time in confession together. Let's spend some time in prayer.